I'm going to talk to you about turning points to maturity. But let's talk about turning points to victory. I want to read Numbers 13. Let's look at it. Now we're jumping right into the story where the 12 spies have gone across to spy off the land. 12 of them come back. 10 of them have an evil report. Two of them have a good one. I'm going to call the first 10 or the 10 spies men of fear. I'm going to call the two others, Joshua and Caleb, men of faith. We're going to look at the difference today between a man of fear and a man of faith. It says, Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are, read it with me, everybody, well able to overcome it. Notice their confession. We are well able to overcome the giants. Now let's look at what the ten men of fear said. But the men who had gone up with him said, read it with me, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. you got two people here, or two attitudes. We're well able. We're not able. That's two kinds of people. Those who say, I'm well able, and those who say, I'm not able. Let's talk about it today. Father, thank you for your blessing on your word. Bless it in the name of Jesus. Help us, Lord, to be men and women of faith and not of fear. Breathe a prayer and say, Lord, speak to my heart today. Change me. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you're not a person of fear. You're a person of faith. Well, I want to minister on this as we get ready for the fall season. Two more weeks and school starts again. Our folks will be back from vacation, and we're going to be very, very blessed uh, and busy ministering to a lot of people. And everybody needs, every pastor needs, and every church needs a congregation of faith and not a congregation of fear. Two kinds of people. There's two attitudes, two outlooks that we just read about here. The outlook that said we are well able. I like that. We are well able. We're able to go against the giants. We're able to have victory. We're able to triumph. We are well able. But then there was another group that said, we're not able. We're not able. Now, when you read the Bible, here's what you see. That there are two primary lenses through which people see life. According to the Bible, two lenses. The first one is the lens of faith. The second one is the lens of unbelief. And those two lenses decide how you see everything you see. Now, for the first time in my life, I've brought my sunglasses into the pulpit with me. And I'm going to put them on. I'm not trying to be cool in church. You know, they say the sun's always shining when you're cool. These people who wear shades in dark rooms. But now here's this. I have these on. Now, these lenses darken everything. There is not anything I look at that is not affected by the lens I'm looking through. Doesn't matter who I'm looking at, if it's a person, if it's a chair, if it's the wall. Because I have these lenses on, they affect everything I see. I can't select seeing something different from the lens I have on. That's exactly the way unbelief is. I can either have on the lens of unbelief, 
and see life through that lens, or I can have the lens of faith. And when I have on the lens of faith, I see things as they really are. I see all the colors. I see all the people. I see things the way God made them. The Bible says we are all living our life out with one of two lenses, the lens of unbelief or the lens of faith. If you have on the lens of unbelief, you can be a believer. You can, you can be a Christian. I know that sounds like a contradiction, but it's not. You can be saved, but still live life through the pessimistic lens of unbelief. The Bible talks about people who heard the word of God, but didn't mix it with faith. When you've got on the lens of unbelief, and here's the way you live. You live with worry, you live with fear, you live with doubt, and you live with pessimism. If you have on that lens of, of unbelief. If you're walking by faith, you have hope, you have optimism, you have anticipation about the future that is good and not evil. And whatever lens, which of the two lenses you see life through is going to decide the quality and the success of your whole life. If you live life through the lens of unbelief, it's going to affect everything you do. There's not anything you look at that you're not going to see through the lens of unbelief, worry, doubt, and fear, and pessimism. It doesn't take me five minutes being around somebody to know which, which lens they live life through. Woe's me. Everything's terrible. I just hope I make it to the rapture. I just hope God hangs on to me and I somehow squeak through and I'm somehow standing there when the rapture happens and when it happens, boy, I sure hope I go. I'm not quite sure. And it's always ringing of the hands. Oh, I need this and that. Where's the money going to come from? Where's, what, what am I going to do in this situation? They live in worry, doubt, and fear because that's the lens they see life through, unbelief. The Bible talks about the children of Israel walking away from God in an evil heart of unbelief. Now, two lenses walked across to spy out the promised land. Two kinds of people. Ten men who had on the lens of unbelief and two men who had on the lens of faith. And do you know it made all the difference in the world what they saw? What the two groups saw was completely different because of the lens they wore. If you break it all down, whichever of the two lenses you're wearing in life, and which one are you wearing? Are you primarily pessimistic, full of doubt, full of worry, full of fear? Or do you walk with the lens of faith and you're excited about what God is doing? And you're excited about what's coming your way because you know God's a God of blessing and God's a God of purpose and he's leading you and guiding you into a promised land. Not a land to be afraid of, but a promised land. A land flowing with spiritual milk and honey. A land filled with peace and joy and fulfillment and purpose. Which lens do you primarily, when you wake up in the morning, which lens are you looking at life? Do you say, oh me, or do you say amen? If you break it all down, the victory or the defeat of these men who walked across could be boiled down to three turning points. Three turning points, and here they were. Say them with me. In look, out look, and your up look. In look, out look, and up look. Whichever lens you wear, if I'm wearing the lens of unbelief like this, if this is what I'm wearing in life, my in look, 
my outlook and my uplook are all affected by what I'm wearing, by the lens I'm looking at life through. If I'm walking by faith, my inlook, my outlook, and my uplook are all influenced by the lens I'm viewing life through. And there's only one of two. Now here's your inlook. A winning outlook says, or a winning inlook says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That's what a winning inlook says. When you look in, you don't see your own uh, uh, lack of capability. You see the capability of the one who lives inside of you. So a winning inlook says, there may be a mountain, but greater is he that is in me than that mountain. There may be a problem, but greater is he that is in me than that problem. We may be having marital struggles, but greater is the one who is in me than he that is in the world. I may be facing a financial situation, but guess what? My God who lives inside of me is greater than the financial situation. My winning inlook says... The God who lives inside of me can carry me through it all. He's done it before. He'll do it again. He blessed me back there. He'll bless me now. There is not anything I can't do based on the power of the one who lives in me. And a winning outlook says... I am more than a conqueror through him who loves me. That's what a winning outlook says. David looked at Goliath and he was looking at somebody way bigger than him, way stronger than him, who could have easily slaughtered him in the natural. But David looked at him. That was his outlook. And he had a positive inlook. He knew the God in him was strong. So he saw the giant and he said, you are coming down. You are not going to kill me. Here's what I like about it. Goliath said, I'm going to deliver your head today. And David said, no, you got that backwards. I'm going to take your head off your shoulders and I'm going to deliver you to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field because I know that though you are large, though you are a giant and in the natural, you are certainly frightening. He said, you're not greater than my God. You're not greater than my God. Now, I'm telling you that victory turns and pivots on these three turning points, your inlook, your outlook, and your uplook. When you look at your enemy, when you look at your mountain, when you look at the problems and the circumstances of your life, what do you see? Do you see a giant that's coming down or do you see a giant that's going to destroy you? You're a child of God. There isn't a giant the world or the devil can produce that can take you down or that is greater than your God. And now here's a winning uplook. The winning uplook says, looking unto Jesus. Can you say that with me? Looking unto Jesus. That's the winning uplook. So we've got to have a strong inlook and outlook, and uplook. So here comes a battle. Here comes a test. Here comes a temptation. Banging on the door of your spiritual house. Three things are immediately going to be tested. Your inlook, your outlook, how you see your enemy, and your uplook. Are you focused on your God? Now I want to look at the losing inlook 
outlook and uplook of the spies, the men of fear, who gave a bad report. And because of the report of these men, 10 men came back and said, we can't do it. They're greater than us, stronger than us. Because of the report of those 10 men, an entire generation died in the wilderness. I want you to think about this, that you're not only walking with a faith in look and outlook and uplook for you, but everybody around you is influenced by how you're viewing life. And if you want your children to have strength, your spouse to have strength, listen, it won't hurt you to be positive. It won't hurt you to walk by faith, but it will hurt you to see life through the lens of unbelief. Now let's look at what they did. First, they're in look. This is the 10 men of fear. Here's what they said. We were like grasshoppers. Now listen to their words. In our own sight. This had to do with how they were viewing themselves. We were like grasshoppers in our own sight. We looked at the giants and we looked at us. And we did a little comparison game. And we said, they're bigger than us. They're stronger than us. There's more of them than there are of us. And so we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. You know what they did right there? They sold themselves short and they sold themselves into defeat because they were looking only at themselves and not the God who was in them and with them. So they said, well, let's size it up here. We are like grasshoppers compared to these people. Have you ever had a grasshopper moment where you felt like you were really a grasshopper looking at the problem that was facing you? I mean, that's, that's really a strong way to put it. I feel like a grasshopper compared to this. A grasshopper can't do anything. Grasshoppers get stepped on. Grasshoppers get killed. They don't have teeth. They don't have any way to really fight for themselves. They said, we feel like grasshoppers, and they sold themselves short. Now listen to their outlook. The people who dwell in the land are strong. Look how they're looking at the, at the enemy. The people who dwell in the land are strong. We are not able to go against the people, for they are stronger than we. What were they doing? They were comparing themselves to their enemy. Let me tell you something, folks. When you're in a battle, never look at yourself. Don't judge your ability to win by looking at yourself. Because in and of yourself, it's true, you will lose. But I'm going to say it again. Greater is he, boasted John, that is in you than he that is in the world. And so here, here they were comparing themselves. And they said, we're not able because they're bigger and they're stronger. And then listen to their uplook. You know what their uplook was? They didn't have one. They didn't have an uplook. They weren't looking up. They didn't even look at God. All they did was they looked at the enemy, looked at themselves, looked at the problem, then looked at themselves. The problem was bigger. And they said, we're not as big. Problem was strong. We're not as strong. They did not look at the promise of God that had said to them, I'm going to give you the land flowing with milk and honey. That is your land. That is your inheritance. I am with you. Do not be afraid. Be strong and of a good courage. And they let all of that go. And they were frozen and paralyzed in fear. And they were absolutely disabled for battle because of their inlook and their outlook and their total lack of an uplook. Now, let me compare Joshua and Caleb's with theirs, the men of faith. 
They had a winning inlook, a winning outlook, and a winning uplook. Their inlook was their first turning point to victory. How many of you want to be victorious in your walk with God? I'm going to tell you something. You have got to come to understand the power of the one who lives inside of you. When you look in, don't look at yourself. Look at the power of the one who lives inside of you. He can give you victory over temptation, victory in a testing. He can put a song on your mouth when there's no reason to sing. He can give you a skip in your step when there's nothing to rejoice about. He can make you to praise God when there's no reason in the natural to praise God. He can stand you on your feet, brush the dust off of you, breathe fresh life into your soul, stand you up in victory, the strength of the one who's in you. You've got to know he didn't come into you, live inside of you for you to go off and fail. He came to live inside of you. He said, it's to your advantage that I go away. If I go away, I'm going to send the comforter, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, the guide, the counselor, the strengthener, the one who's going to stand alongside you. Do you know that living inside of you is the greatest winner that has ever walked the earth? Jesus said, it is finished. And when he said that, he was saying, I have defeated death, hell, and the grave, and the devil. I've redeemed you by the blood of the lamb. I have washed you white as snow. Now every case against you has been wiped out. He can't go before God and say, they did this and they did that. Because in God's eyes, God's got on sunglasses. And when he looks at you, the lenses are red. And he only sees the blood. He looks at you and says, perfect, 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 perfect. The devil says, but they did this and they did that. Oh, I've got on S-O-N glasses. Perfect, 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 perfect. Just like my son, forgiven, perfect, washed, white as snow. <clears throat> Their inlook was incredible. They said, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. Boy, I like that. I like can-do people. I don't want to hang around people who are always saying we can't for very long. If you don't have vision and you don't have purpose and you don't think God can heal or God can deliver or God can answer prayer, I'll counsel you, but I'm not going to run with you. I want to be around people who are always saying to me, oh, we can do it. God can do it. God's going to do it. Oh, I sense revival in the air. I sense God's about to do something powerful. I believe that greater is he that is in us. I believe that he is thinking good and not evil. He's got a future and a hope. He's not going to let us down. He is not going to walk away. He's going to carry us to places we could never have gone on our own because within us is the greatest winner of all time. He won the greatest Olympics in the world. He defeated. He's got the gold. Well, Pastor Jeff, you feel, you seem pretty stirred up about this. I am stirred up about this because I know 
what the Holy Spirit living inside of me has done in my life. I mean, hey, if you could have seen me when the Holy Spirit came into my life, hair down to here, skinny as a rail, 130 pounds soaking wet, fresh out of the drug culture, didn't know what I was going to do with my life, so afraid of people I couldn't say anything in front of two or, more, three, two or three or more people without terrible stage fright, off always in the shadows, reclusive, worried, tormented with fear. But then I went to a meeting. I just went to a meeting, but this was not a normal meeting. This was a powerful meeting. This was a meeting where something was taking place I did not understand, but it touched me anyway. People were lifting their hands and worshiping God. They looked just like me, had the long hair, wire rim glasses, bell-bottom blue jeans. But they were worshiping in a way that I'd never seen before. And there was a power in the room I'd never felt before. And I prayed a dangerous prayer. I said, Lord, give that to me. And it was a dangerous prayer. And all of a sudden, something hit. Can I testify a little bit today? All of a sudden, something hit me. And, and, and I did not understand spiritual dynamics I didn't understand the moving of the Holy Spirit. I didn't know what was happening to me. I only knew that in the room there was a tangible presence. You could almost cut it with a knife. And I knew that I wanted it. I wanted what I saw on the faces of these people. And this is what the church needs. We don't need more money. We don't need bigger buildings. There's a church on every corner, and America's going to hell in a handcart anyway. We need revival from the Holy Ghost. What we can't do in 30 years, the Holy Spirit can do in 10 minutes. I know because I've seen it done. Oh, we come up with programs. We come up with trying this and trying that and trying the other. Seeker sensitive as opposed to Pentecostal, hardcore, Heaven and hell preaching. We try everything in the world. Bigger buildings, different programs, different systems, different approaches. But when the Holy Spirit falls, there is nothing that can match it, equal it, come close to it, or do what it does. In look. You're in look. Is the great and mighty winner, Jesus Christ, living in you? If he is, then you can run through a troop and you can leap over a wall. If he is, there is nothing impossible to you. If he is, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. In look. Now, I want to be clear about something. I'm not echoing humanism by saying that you by yourself can do anything you desire. That's the voice of humanism. That is not the teaching of the New Testament. New Testament says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That was Paul's confession. Extremely capable, brilliant man. But he said, I can do all things through Christ, not by myself, but through Christ. And he said, I've given up everything and count it but manure 
for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, my Lord, that I might experience the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, and be made conformable to his death. I'm looking to the resurrection from the dead. David had incredible spiritual confidence. And David said, through God, we shall do valiantly. To Goliath, he said, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. He didn't say, hope so, maybe so, perhaps so. He wasn't wringing his hands. He said, it's going to happen, buddy. You're coming against me, and I'm a child of God. And that means you're marked for destruction by the God who I serve. If we could only get it into our minds that our problem is God's problem, our enemies are God's enemies. What is trying to destroy us is coming against him. I think I'm getting through to y'all. You're looking at me like a deer stares at headlights, some of you. Well, I just came here to be in a church service. I didn't know he's going to get up there and spit and sweat. Let me tell you something. We got to wake up, church. We got to wake up. It's time to wake up. Radical Islam is knocking on the door of this nation, banging on its door. If the church is asleep in the light and we have forgotten our power and we have forgotten the rock from which we were hewn, with what are we going to stand up and fight? It's time to put on the helmet of salvation. It's time to put on the breastplate of righteousness. It's time to gird our loins with truth and put on the gospel sandals. It's time to quit looking like and acting like and talking like the world and realizing that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I read recently of a story. A young boy was in a circus tent. He was helping put up the tent, and he saw an elephant. And the elephant was tied to a stake, great big African elephant tied to a stake, little bitty stake in the ground, chained to the elephant's foot. And the little boy said, why doesn't that elephant pull that stake out and walk free? A much older man who had been there for years said, when that elephant was young, that elephant was tied to the stake and the stake was in the ground, and at that point, the stake held him. Now he's grown, he's massive, and he's strong, but he doesn't know it. He could pull that stake out like it was a toothpick, but he doesn't know it. He doesn't realize how strong he is. And how many believers are held by toothpicks? Held by toothpicks. Held by habits that you could just... For those of you listening by radio, I just kicked. You could pull that stake out. Greater is he that is in you. Tim Hansel wrote, it's not so much what happens to us as what happens in us that counts. If you believe you can't, you probably can't. If you believe you can, you probably will. 
Well, that's good preaching. I'm getting this CD. I'm going to get this CD and just listen to it. Because this isn't Jeff Wickwire. This is the Word of God. Word of God. Are you like that circus elephant today? Have you forgotten that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world? You're not a has-been. You're a will-be. I said, you're not a has-been. You're a will-be. But Pastor Jeff, I've been through hell and back. I can hardly walk. I'm dragging myself to church. I don't have any energy. I don't have much hope. Future looks bleak. I'm telling you, look in at the one greater than your problem. Look out. That giant's coming down. Look up. Your God is for you. And if he's for you, who can be against you? Come on. Yes. I feel, I feel something today. Now let me tell you quickly about their second turning point. I got to move on. Their second turning point was their outlook. The 10 men of fear said, nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. We are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. That was the losing outlook of the men of fear. That outlook defeated them. Not the enemy, the outlook. Not the enemy, their unbelief. They weren't defeated by the giants. The giants didn't have to defeat them. They were defeated before they got there. But Joshua and Caleb, the men of faith, had a whole different outlook. Listen to what they said. I love this. Don't fear those people. Don't fear those giants of the land. They're going to be our food. Boy, that's stout. They're going to be our food. We're going to eat them. We're going to chew them up, spit them out. That's in the Bible. And then they said their protection has departed from them. See, they were looking through eyes of faith. The men of fear said, they're going to kill us. Men of faith said, you don't understand. God has stripped their protection away from them. They are red meat. They are, they are coming down. They don't have the strength they think they do. They're coming down. Two different perspectives depending on what lens you're looking through. The ten men of fear saw giants and themselves as grasshoppers. The men of faith saw a vulnerable and defeated enemy and themselves as winners. What do you see? The men of fear saw danger. The men of faith saw opportunity. The men of fear said, why? The men of faith said, why not? The men of fear said, never. The men of faith said, now. The men of fear reacted in fear. The men of faith responded in faith. The men of fear said, they're bigger than us. The men of faith said, our God is bigger than them. Where are you? What lens are you wearing? What it all comes down to is this. Whose report are you going to believe? 
Who's reporter? You, there's always somebody there to give you a bad one. Always somebody there to give you a negative one. Oh, you're in big trouble, bub. You're in serious trouble. We're sure going to pray for you. I'm going to lift you up. It's looking bleak and it's getting bleaker. I hate to be the bearer of bad news. Then don't. <laughs> then don't. The report of the men of fear, are you going to believe them? Because they don't have to be real. They can be in your mind. Those men of fear are in your mind. They can be thoughts. You going to believe their report? The spineless, faithless, do nothing, go nowhere, fearful cowards who'd rather sit on the premises than stand on the promises? They're always there. Give me people standing on the promises. I know God's coming through. I know God's going to bless. I know God's going to turn this thing around. Are you going to be, believe the report of the Lord? Your outlook has to do with how you see the situation, how you view the problem, how you see the enemy. Whether you're looking out through the lens of unbelief or the lens of faith, that's your decision. Well, I just wish I had stronger faith. Well, then get it stronger. Well, I don't really know how. Open up your Bible and read it. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Strengthen your faith. Well, if I just had a better church or I had a different Christian, you can come up with excuses all day long. Don't live under the tyranny of if only. Live under this. What now? And do something proactive. Man, I'm getting this CD. This is good. You ought not brag on yourself. I'm not bragging on myself. The Word of God lives. It's getting me excited up here. And I'm the one preaching. Because I know you've got to talk to people straight these days. Now, here's the third turning point, their uplook. The men of faith said, the Lord is with us. That was their uplook. Their uplook affected both their outlook and their inlook. There's only one uplook for the child of God, and that is looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. The next time you come up against a trial, a temptation, a difficulty, a perplexity, look up. Get on your knees in prayer and look up. Get into the Word of God and look up. Get your hands in the air and praise Him and look up because your uplook will adjust your inlook and your outlook. Your uplook. Isn't it funny how things change when you go into the place of prayer and you start looking up? All of a sudden your inlook changes and your outlook changes. If you focus on your circumstances, ask Simon Peter, you will sink. But if you focus on him, you'll walk on water. If you focus on him, you'll be like Daniel in the lion's den. He overcame. Moses at the Red Sea. He overcame. Stephen staring at an angry Sanhedrin. He overcame. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who looked to Jesus in the burning fiery oven and they overcame. Your inlook and your outlook and your uplook will decide the outcome. 
I said, hear me on this one. Your inlook, your outlook, your uplook will decide the outcome. These are the turning points of victory. David said, they looked unto him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. Can you stand with me today? You know, Kathy and I went through hell a few years ago. And I mean living, breathing hell. Every day was a day of ferocious attack. And if you've read my book, the last one on friendships, you you know the story. But I'm going to tell you real quick. I knew enough. I don't know everything. And I have one gift. My gift is with the Word of God. I'm not multi-gifted like some people who just make me sick. I have one gift. Some people can sing and dance and preach and teach and stand on their head and spit nickels. I can't do that. I, I just, I have one. But what I do know, I do know what to do when you don't know what to do. I know how to get into that word and grab hold of God and listen to him. And he said to me, when it couldn't have looked worse, he said to me, sit back, seek me with all of your heart, preach, and I want you to watch how providence moves all the pieces around. I want you to sit back and just watch what I do with this mess. And that's what I did. And now... I walk in here and I look. I look all around. And this is just the bare beginning. Just the start. But I do know this. He's in charge. He's bigger than your problem. And you can look to him and not be ashamed. And he will see you through into a day. You'll have to pinch yourself to tell yourself it's real. Say with me, I know he can. And I know I can. Through him. Give him a hand of praise, can you? Thank you, Lord.